0: content of this program is intended for people who are blind and print-impaired. Hello and welcome to our November 2021 edition of Heard Any Good Books Lately, a program from the North Carolina Reading Service. I'm George Douglas. This program is brought to you by the Friends of the North Carolina Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, an organization of citizens, volunteers, and patrons, all interested in supporting the library and the services it provides. Now, the Friends Group was founded in 1989 and now has more than 300 members across North Carolina. If you'd like to join the Friends Group yourself, we'll have information on how to do that later in the program. This program is all about books, with special emphasis on those available from the North Carolina Library for the Blind. The library has more than 86,000 titles in its collection, Books and magazines are available in large print, braille, and talking books as well. The library has more than 11,000 patrons across the state, and if you're not a patron but are interested in becoming one, I'll have more information at the end of the program about that, too. This month, we'll take a look at some of the most popular books checked out in the month of October at the North Carolina Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. Now, we're going to begin the program today with a look at a, program, at a program, at a book called Amish Promises, Neighbors of Lancaster County. Now, this is book number one, and it's by Leslie Gould. Journey down a quiet lane in Lancaster County, where love and heartache and friendship and healing all meet. Here's the plot. When Joel and Shawnee Beck arrive at their new home, they're looking for peace. Shawnee is thrilled to have Joel back from Iraq, but he needs time to heal, and the quiet of Lancaster seems just the place. They can't imagine any trouble with their Amish neighbors, the layman's, but things get off to a rocky start when their son is involved in an accident that injures one of the layman boys. Eve Lehman has run her brother's household ever since the death of his wife. But Tim's a stern patriarch. Despite his protests, she's drawn to the new neighbor, Shawnee, and the two begin to form a strong friendship forged on faith and family. Things seem like they've quieted down until Joel's single and handsome army friend Charlie catches Eve's attention, a man unlike any Eve has ever met. Suddenly, life for both families becomes more complicated than any of them could ever have imagined. Again, the name of that book is Amish Promises, Neighbors of Lancaster County, and it is book number one, so there are more to come, by the author Leslie Gould. Now let's turn to our next book that was one of the most popular during the month of October at the Library for the Blind. This one is called, I'm sort of chuckling here, because this one is called How to Kill Your Best Friend by Leslie Elliott. And this is a new book, too, and it became popular very fast. It was just uh, just released in August of this year. Here's the plot. A group of university friends who've flown to an island paradise to mark the passing of one of their number finds that her death has brought the conflicts among the survivors to a boil. Lisa Kateb, Georgie Ayers, and Bronwyn Miller were all competitive swimmers when they were in school together. So it seems especially ironic that Lisa has drowned in Canoe Cove, where her husband, Jim Ktab manages a luxury resort. Well, now that the survivors have accepted Jim's offer of free accommodations on the occasion of Lisa's memorial service, cracks gradually begin to appear, to appear in their nostalgic group portrait. Years ago, Bron had cheated on her husband, Rob Miller, with Lisa's first husband, Graham Williams, who has since died. Eternal singleton Georgie's friendship with Lisa looks more and more like a rivalry. Nor are the group's problems in the present. Someone is sending Braun and Georgie mocking, vaguely threatening notes. Someone attacks Georgie, maybe a mugger, maybe someone after a bigger prize than her money... The sudden resignation of Jem's assistant manager, Christina, coincides all too neatly with the news that the resort is bleeding money and that Lisa's high school buddy, Duncan, a private equity powerhouse, has a larger stake in it than Georgie or Braun ever suspected. The question of whether Christina has been embezzling only deepens when she turns up shot to death. As the paying guests drift away, the old school friends left to ask how Lisa could possibly have drowned. Realize that once you suspect one of us, you have to suspect all of us. Slyly escalating head games that will make you think twice about booking that next getaway. It shouldn't be hard to remember the name of this book. It's an odd one, I'll say. It's uh, called How to Kill Your Best Friend, and it is by Leslie Elliott. Now let's move on to our next book for this month here. We're going to talk about a book called A Good Day for Chardonnay by Dorinda Jones. Here's the plot for this one. Running a small-town police force in the mountains of New Mexico should be a smooth, carefree kind of job. Sadly, full-time sheriff and even fuller-time coffee guzzler, Sunshine Vikram, didn't get that memo. All sunshine really wants is one easy-going day. You know, the kind that starts out with coffee and a donut or, or three and ends with takeout pizza and a glass of Chardonnay, or maybe seven. Well, turns out that that's about as easy as switching to decaf. What kind of people do that and who hurt them? Well, before she can say iced mocha latte... Sonny's got a bar fight gone bad, a teenage daughter hunting a serial killer, and, oh yes, the still unresolved mystery of her own abduction years prior. All evidence points to a local distiller, a dangerous bad boy named Levi Ravender. But Son knows he's not the villain of her story. Still, perhaps beneath it all, he possesses the keys to her disappearance. At the very least, beneath it all, he possesses a serious set of abs. She's seen it once, accidentally. Between policing a town her hunky chief deputy calls four cents short of a nickel, that pesky crush she has on Levi, which seems to grow exponentially every day, and an irascible raccoon that just doesn't know when to quit, Sonny's life is about to rocket to a whole new level of crazy. Yep, definitely A Good Day for Chardonnay. And that's the name of the book, A Good Day for Chardonnay. The author is Dorinda Jones. Now, here's another book that was very popular this past month, and uh, it's called Love Boat Taipei by Abigail Hen Wen. When Abigail Heng Wen was a teenager, she spent a summer in Taiwan to get in touch with her Chinese roots. The program, funded by the Republic of China, has been dubbed the Love Boat, but has nothing to do with ships or the sea. Started during martial law in the late 1960s to provide North American Chinese teenagers with a cultural experience back in the old country, the Love Boat program took on this nickname, a reference to an American TV sitcom of the 1970s and 80s, after it became known, perhaps among participants rather than their parents more for debauchery than serious studies. It's been a mainstay for teens with family ties to Taiwan, including restaurateur and TV personality Eddie Huang. The subject of a recent documentary, it was perhaps inevitable that it would be mined for a novel. And since heritage programs to place places like Israel and Greece are Rights of passage for American teens of many ethnicities, Abigail Hing Wen has chosen a setting and a title for her debut young adult novel, Love Boat Taipei, and that is likely to resonate beyond Asian Americans. Her protagonist is eighteen year old Everett Wong, who goes by the nickname of Ever. Her parents, immigrants from Fujian, via a short spell in Singapore, in Singapore before settling in a Cleveland suburb, are set on her becoming a doctor. Well, after rejections from the Ivy League, Ever finally receives an offer from Northwestern University. Ever's parents are delighted. What they don't know, and certainly wouldn't approve of, is that Ever really wants to dance and has also gotten herself admitted to the fine arts program at New York University's Tisch School. Ever keeps this secret to herself, and before she can spring it on them, her parents reveal a secret of their own. They've applied for her to attend the Tang Heritage Summer Program in Taiwan. Now, at first, it sounds like punishment. Ever knows nothing about Taiwan, apart from that it's an island off the coast of China. For many of the students in the program, including Ever, their strict Chinese parents haven't allowed them to date in high school. During their summer in Taipei, they attend classes in Chinese language along with electives like calligraphy, Chinese traditional medicine, Chinese dance and martial arts. But at night in the dorms, it's anything goes. The counselors and the teachers look the other way when the students sneak out at night to go clubbing or pair up. Ever has a running list of all her parents' rules, ticking them off in her mind each time she breaks one. Yet she can't help but enjoy the freedom, even though she feels that she really is for Ever Wong in her parents' eyes. The characters in Love Boat Taipei aren't just concerned with dating and clubbing. They also bond to discuss issues that their non-Asian friends, or their parents for that matter, would not understand. College admission quotas, everyday racism, and the pressures to succeed and go into professions their parents choose for them. Ever finds friends who can relate to her love of dance and how she is afraid to tell her parents that blood makes her feel queasy. How can ever, ever become a doctor if she can't stand blood? Well, there's also a bit of crazy rich Asians to the story, as middle-class Midwestern ever is courted by two ultra-wealthy boys from prominent Taipei families. The reader is brought into a polished Asian city, in this case, Taipei. A dragonfly shoots over the grass after him, quick, daring movements from flower to flower. I follow him to the Qing style mansion and through sliding panel doors into an inner courtyard where sunlight spills over scalloped eaves onto a square of a dirt floor more carved panel doors on three sides slide open to bedrooms displaying historical chinese furniture the scents of parched grass and oiled wood float on the wind but despite the peaceful setting my mind whirs like the leaves sweeping ahead of us that's a part of the reading from the book as in crazy rich asians the protagonists are all Asian, yet presented in a way relatable to readers no matter their backgrounds. Less like crazy rich Asians, Heng Wen discusses topical issues like domestic violence, gender equality, and mental illness. But it's the Chen Tan setting that sets this book apart. Teens face the same pressure to feel accepted And Love Boat Taipei brings readers to a place of acceptance for many Chinese-Americans that hasn't been shown in young adult literature before. Once again, the name of this book is Love Boat Taipei by Abigail Hen Wen. And you're listening to Hurt Any Good Books Lady from lately from the North Carolina Reading Service. I'm George Douglas. Thanks for joining me today. hope you're enjoying the program. Now we'll move on to a book, another book with an Amish setting like we read at the beginning of the program. This one is called A Reluctant Bride, an Amish of Birch Creek Novel by Kathleen Fuller. She never wanted to marry. He hopes to make amends for past wrongs. Can love find a way to heal both of their hearts? Here's the plot of this one. Sadie Schrock swore she would never marry. All of her other Amish friends could court and marry. She was content to manage the family business and eventually take it over when her parents are ready to retire. But... All of that changes when a reckless driver kills both of her parents and seriously injures her younger sister. With mounting hospital bills adding to the pile of debt her parents left behind, Sadie is left with no choice. She must marry. And not just any man, the man who saw her at her weakest and walked away. Aiden knows what his brother did to Sadie years ago was inexcusable and every day since that incident Aiden has lived with the guilt for not intervening sooner when he is faced with the chance to protect Sadie once again he can't let her down even if it means living with the scorn of the woman he loves for the rest of his life working alongside Aiden at the store Sadie realizes he isn't the same boy who once betrayed her Just when Sadie starts to let her guard down and perhaps develop feelings for her new husband, dangerous secrets are revealed. Now everything Sadie has worked so hard to protect is threatened, and she must find a way to save her family and herself. And once again, this one is called A Reluctant Bride, an Amish of Burke Creek novel by Kathleen Fuller. That sounds like a good one. Our next book is entitled The Thousand Crimes of Ming Su by Tom Lin, another Chinese-based story that was very popular last month. Here's the plot for this one. Orphaned young Ming Su, the son of Chinese immigrants, is raised by the notorious leader of a California crime syndicate who trains him to be his deadly enforcer. But when Ming falls in love with Ada, the daughter of a powerful railroad magnate, and the two elope, he seizes the opportunity to escape to a different life. Soon after, in a violent raid, the tycoon's henchmen kidnap Ada and conscript Ming into service for the Central Pacific Railroad. Battered, heartbroken, and yet defiant, Ming partners with a blind clairvoyant known only as the prophet. Together the two set out to rescue his wife and to exact revenge on the men who destroyed Ming, aided by a troop of magic show performers, some with supernatural powers, whom they meet on the journey. Ming blazes his way across the west settling old scores with a single-minded devotion that culminates in an explosive and unexpected finale. Written with the violent ardor of Cormac McCarthy and the otherworldly inventiveness of Ted Chiang, The Thousand Crimes of ming Su* is at once a thriller, a romance, and a story of one man's quest for redemption in the face of a distinctly American brutality. And once again, the book is entitled The Thousand Crimes of Meng Su, and it was written by Tom Lin. The next book we're going to take a look at today is in the sports genre, and it was very popular in October at the Library for the Blind. It is entitled Till the End by C.C. Sabatia. And uh, this is a new book. It was just released in July of 2021. Here's what it's about. One of the best pitchers of his generation and often the only black man on his team shares an extraordinary life in baseball. A high school star in several sports, Sabathia, was being furiously recruited by both colleges and professional teams when the death of his grandmother, whose Social Security checks supported the family, meant that he couldn't go to college even with a full scholarship. He recounts how he learned that he had been drafted by the Cleveland Indians in the first round over the PA system at his high school. In 2001, after three seasons in the minor league, Sabathia became the youngest player in Major League Baseball. He was age 20. His career took off from there, and in 2008, he signed with the New York Yankees for seven years and $161 million, at the time the largest contract ever for a pitcher. With the help of Vanity Fair contributor Smith, Sabathia tells the entertaining story of his 19 seasons on and off the field. The first fourteen ran in tandem with a poorly hidden alcohol problem and a propensity for destructive bar brawls. His high school sweetheart, Amber, who became his wife and the mother of his children, did her best to help him manage his repressed fury and grief about the deaths of his two beloved cousins and his father. But Sabathia pursued drinking with the same till-the-end mentality as everything else. Finally, a series of disasters led to a month of rehab in 2015. Leading a sober life was necessary, but it did not tame Sabathia's trademark feistiness. He continued to fiercely rile his opponents and foment the fighting spirit in his teammates until debilitating injuries to his knees and pitching arm led to his retirement in 2019. This book represents an excellent launching point for Jay-Z's new imprint, Rock Lit 101. Well, everything about Sabathia is larger than life, yet he tells his story with honesty and humility. A book of nonfiction and an autobiography by C.C. C. Sabathia, the baseball player, And uh, this is a book that is now available at the Library for the Blind, and it was released just in July of this year. Next, a book of fiction, The Strange Case of the Moderate Extremists, a Detective Varg story by Alexander McCall Smith. Here's the plot. Detective Ulf Varg from the Department of Sensitive Crimes, is often called upon to investigate unusual matters, but rarely is he asked to conduct an inquiry on behalf of his own family. Is such a thing ethical? Well, adding to Ulf's moral discomfort is the fact that he does not exactly see eye to eye with his younger brother Bjorn, a leading player in one of Sweden's right-wing parties, the moderate extremists. Still, family is family, so Ulf finds himself working to uncover the mole-leaking secrets to a a rival party, the extreme moderates. All of this in addition to his responsibilities to the department, which include investigating a case of cat-related sabotage. As always, it's up to Ulf to close the case, even if he encounters unexpected resistance from the victims themselves. From literary master McCall Smith, this is a bewitching short foray, witty and warm, into Scandinavian mystery. And uh, that sounds like a good one. Again, it's called The Strange Case of the Moderate Extremist*. That was the name of the party. A Detective Varg Story by Alexander McCall Smith. Now, here's another book with a funny title. This one is under the category of fiction and humor. And the title of it is Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead by Emily R. Austin. First, a little information about the author because she's new. Emily Austin was born in Ontario, Canada and received a writing grant from the Canadian Council for the Arts in 2020. She studied English literature and library science at Western University, and she currently lives in Ottawa. Everyone in this room will someday be dead is her first novel, and here's what it's about. Gilda, a 20-something atheist and an animal-loving lesbian, cannot stop ruminating about death. Alienated from her repressive family... She responds to a flyer for free therapy at a local Catholic church. Well, assuming she's there for a job interview, Father Jeff hires her to replace the recently deceased receptionist, Grace. Gilda strikes up an email correspondence with Grace's old friend. She can't bear to ignore the kindly old woman who has been trying to reach her friend through the church inbox, but she also can't bring herself to break the bad news. Desperate, she begins impersonating Grace via email. But when the police discover suspicious circumstances surrounding Grace's death, Gilda may have to finally reveal the truth of her mortifying existence. That's an interesting story, right? And that is called Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead by Emily R. Austin. And time for just one more book. This is All the Little Hopes, a novel by Leah Weiss. A southern story of friendship forged by books and bees when the timeless troubles of growing up meet the murky shadows of World War II. Deep in the tobacco land of North Carolina, nothing's been the same since the boys shipped off to war and worry took their place. Thirteen-year-old Lucy Brown is precocious and itching for an adventure. Then Allie Bert Tucker wanders into town, an outcast with a puzzling past, and Lucy figures the two of them can solve any curious crime they find, just like her hero, Nancy Drew. Their chance comes when a man goes missing, a woman stops speaking, and an eccentric gives the girls a mystery to solve that takes them beyond the ordinary. Their quiet town, seasoned with honeybees and sweet tea, becomes home to a Nazi prisoner of war camp. More men go missing. And together the girls embark on a journey to discover if we ever really know who the enemy is. Lush with southern atmosphere, All the Little Hopes is the story of two girls growing up as war creeps closer, blurring the difference between what's right, what's wrong, and what we know to be true. All the Little Hopes, a novel by Leah Weiss. And that's all the time we have for this month's edition of Heard Any Good Books Lately. I'm George Douglas. Hope you enjoyed the program. If you'd like more information about how to become a patron of the North Carolina Library for the Blind, simply Google or search for NC Library for the Blind. Call toll-free 888-388-2460. You can also use those same numbers to join the Friends of the North Carolina Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, our sponsor for this program. This program is intended for people who are blind or print impaired. Heard any good books lately? Will be available right after the broadcast at our website ncreadingservice.org So long until next time.